inside the scarred up heart, inside a raging storm. The word is angered, cause Satan has declared a war. I'll fight this battle, Lord, because you're worth fighting for. I pledge my undying love to you. Hello everyone, this is Chaplain Gary Rayburn of Rick Ministries and we've got an awesome, awesome message on today's program. I know you're going to want to get more copies of this and share them with your family, friends and neighbors. Give us a call, 618-383-2107 and we'll mail you some extra copies of this. And if you'd like to be a partner with Rick Ministries, we are looking for you Channel 21 Ministries is looking for chaplains for the road, and we are making a difference all across America. We are stretching a net across America using the over-the-road truck drivers. So join with us and help us spread the gospel across America. Today's program is a great message by Richard Koss, and he was at our CD ministry conference, and what a great, great message. So sit back, listen, enjoy today's program, and then contact us here at Rig Ministries, 618-383-2107, rigministries.com. And believe it or not, we now have a television program, rigtv.org. You can check that out on our new website. So sit back, listen, enjoy today's program with our good friend, Richard Koss. For this mighty army you will build I'll fight this battle, Lord Cause you're worth fighting for I pledge my undying love to you You died for me Though I led such a shameful life Grace has set me free I'm honored to struggle, Lord, cause even in my toughest battles, you're worth fighting for. You died for me, though I led such a shameful life, grace has set me free, so I'm honored. Quite some time ago, Tony Mack and I were talking on the phone, and he said, Richard, you go to Angola, Louisiana? And I said, yeah, we go there all the time, and we've been going there for over 20 years. And uh, he said, man, I'd love to preach in Angola. 
Now, a little background on Angola prison at one time was the bloodiest prison in America. Uh, 88-90% black and still is today. It's a lifer joint. Only 8% walk out the front gate. The rest die there, so you can imagine their hospital, their hospice program, okay, But 20 years ago, New Orleans Southern Baptist Seminary uh, came in to Angola because of a born-again warden, Warden Cain. And for 20 years, they've had a full four-year seminary inside that prison. And so when men graduate uh, from that four-year seminary, they're ordained as assistant chaplains. And then they're sent out all over the prison... Uh, 6,500 inmates there today, uh, about 55 uh, back then when Tony went in, and uh, uh, they, they win souls and they lead Bible studies, and they've got three inmate chaplains for death row that minister all day long on the, on the different uh, uh, sections of, of death row, and it, <clears throat> it's an awesome place today because a warden had a vision. When the new warden came, he was packing the word, Okay. And gave him Jesus. And I've got friends in there that have been in there 47, 48, 49 years. And one black man stood up in one of our services and he said, I'm so glad I, I got a life sentence, life without parole, because our new warden gave me Jesus and I got saved. Wow. Tony said, I, I want to preach there. So I took him and there was about a couple hundred inmates and and uh, we had them in a couple of different camps, but uh, one service uh, in particular, a bunch of the weightlifters and the football players, and they have a, they have a football game called the Crunch Bowl. <laughs> and the ambulances are sitting there. And it's one camp against another inside that prison, and bones get broke. All right? But anyway... Uh, we went, and a bunch of guys were there, most of them black and, and tough guys, and Tony started sharing his testimony. And he got to that part about killing his best friend and so on and so forth, and Tony got to crying. And I looked around, and man, there were some big, bad dudes, man, with big old guns on them and big old broad shoulders and pretty bad dudes, and 200 inmates were crying. <laughs> and man, did we have an invitation that night. It went on and on and on and on and on. It was awesome. Awesome. And uh, I told him, I said, man, jump on your motorcycle and go with us. He said, no, I can't ride that far. My back hurts, man. And I said, well, just come, jump in your truck or your car. Come on. But, but we had an awesome, awesome time. And then I'm going to share another little tidbit with you here in just a minute. But I've got a challenge for you tonight, okay? Many years ago, I got a, uh, about 25 years ago, I, I got a call from a pastor in Montgomery, Alabama. And he said, Richard, you and Phyllis... Uh, come, and, and we want you for a week-long revival meeting. And, uh, man, they're, they're gone pretty much, aren't they? Man, when I get called today, it's Sunday through Wednesday or maybe Saturday and Sunday or, you know. And, man, I haven't done a week-long meeting in probably 20 years. Wow. And, uh, uh, but anyway, 
uh, week-long meeting in Montgomery, Alabama, and we took, jumped on our motorcycle, went to Montgomery, and, and we took at the, the end uh, of the meeting, we had another week off, so I asked somebody, I said, man, where can we uh, go down here, uh, see some sights? They said, go to Gulf Shores in Orange Beach, Alabama. How many of you ever been there? Orange Beach, Gulf Shores, yeah. The rest of you need to get out more. Man, God's got an awesome creation out there. He really does. And we went down to Gulf Shores and fell in love with Gulf Shores and Orange Beach and went back home. And a couple months later, we took the kids, went back there in the car, and God was all over me about moving there. And I didn't understand why, because it's a long way from everywhere. And when I left Oklahoma, Oklahoma centralized, and it doesn't take a whole lot of gas to get anywhere you go. But man, when you live on the beach in Gulf Shores in Orange Beach, Alabama, it's a long way to wherever you're going, okay? But God said go there, so we, we sold out and, and moved to Gulf Shores and Orange Beach. And I'd have a few days off, and uh, uh, I heard about a guy who owned uh, 15 high-rise condominiums. And I went to see him. His name was Gene Brett. And I went to see Gene and met with him, shared my testimony, started crying. He said, Richard, I'm a Christian man. He said, I'm not a very good Christian. I'm, 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 I'm backslidden right now, but would you be my prayer partner? I said, well, yes, sir, I will. He said, uh, why'd you come to see me? And I said, well, I, I can do anything, man. I, I, I lay tile. I'm a carpenter. I'm an electrician. I can you know, hang ceiling fans. Uh, I can weld. I, I can do about anything. Uh, do, you have any, do you have any maintenance situations you can use me while I'm off to, to make some extra money? Because I've worked hard pretty much all my life since I came out of prison. Before that, I didn't want to work, okay? I just wanted to steal other people's stuff, all right? And uh, he said, man, I've been looking for someone just like you. And so I'd come in, he'd have a list of stuff for me to do. And uh, uh, neat guy, he, he didn't have a whole lot of money. He only had five airplanes, okay? And I've been flying with him, all right? And if you ever go swimming down there on the beach, <laughs> you can't see anything swimming around you. But when you're in an airplane and look down, oh, hammerhead sharks. Yeah, bull sharks, they're everywhere all the time among those swimmers. They're, they're, they're down there all the time. And, uh, but anyway, uh, we moved down there, rented a condo, and, and uh, uh, Gene met my wife, Phyllis. And he said, Phyllis, man, you never meet a stranger. Man, you're outgoing. You, you've got a beautiful personality. I need you on my team selling condominiums. She said, well, I'm not smart enough to get my real estate license, and, and probably uh, I can't get my license because, you know, I've been to federal prison twice, and I've got about 40 arrests on my rap sheet out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. He said, well, I happen to know the governor. <laughs> well, long story short, Phyllis got her real estate license. Now, and she started selling condominiums on the beach when condominiums were selling every day. 15-story, now the 32-story down there, okay? And uh, uh, the, the real estate board heard her testimony, and, and all seven of those uh, people that worked for the governor on the real estate board said, Phyllis, we've never heard a testimony like that, and you got your real estate license, okay? And she started selling condominiums, and a lot of guys get mad when their wife makes way more money than they do. I didn't. 
I didn't. I'd pat her on the booty in the morning. I said, baby, go get them. Sell a condo today. I think I'm going to go play golf, Jim. Honey, go get them. Sell a condo today. I'm going fishing with my buddies about 30 miles offshore in an oil rig, okay? And uh, so most, a lot of women, they like to get a hold of a sugar daddy once in a while, you know. And I had a sugar mama, all right? And I had a sugar mama for 17 years, and she made enough money, she retired, okay? But I would go in those condominiums, and guess what? I, uh, when they build a new one, they, 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 they do a condo right away. It's a show condo, okay? And uh, I've been in all of those condos, and there's more being built and, a, and another huge one being built right now. And, uh, uh, but you get to the um, 12th floor, and you automatically jump to the 14th floor. There's no 13th floor. I wonder why. We're a superstitious people. How about Friday the 13th? Somebody on Friday the 13th is going to approach you, everybody in this, in this sanctuary, and they're going to say, hey man, you know what day it is? Yeah, it's Friday. Oh no, it's Friday the 13th. Ooh, watch out. Superstitious number. Man, very few buildings, high-rise buildings, have a 13th floor. There's one in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, designed by Frank Lloyd Wright, and it's got a 13th floor, okay? But people, oh, man, uh, if I stayed on the 13th floor, fire would break out in the 12th floor. And, man, I'd die, man, and it'd be all over. And uh, uh, people don't like that number 13. goes all the way back to the Lord's Supper, doesn't it, huh? Yeah, 13 people. Then it goes back even a little bit further than that. But I'm going to challenge you to do something today. I'm going to challenge you to live your Christian life on the 13th floor. Now imagine going in uh, uh, one of those condominiums that my wife sold for 17 years. And uh, uh, they just finished one show condo, but they hadn't quite put the railing. All those condos face the Gulf of Mexico, right on the beach, and usually right straight down is a couple of swimming pools, okay? And imagine they hadn't put the railing up yet. And you, out, you go out on the balcony. Wait a minute. You get out on the balcony. They hadn't put the railing up yet. You shouldn't be out there. And just kind of hang your toes over the edge and look down 13 stories. Pretty precarious situation. Rather dangerous. Huh? Wow. Uh, oh, oh, man. That's where I want you to live. In a precarious, dangerous, sometimes situation. It's a long way down. You could get hurt. You could. It could happen. Hebrews 13, 13. <laughs> We're centering in on the number 13 today. And if I can find some good light here, I left my bifocals in the car. Hebrews 13, we're going to begin with verse 12. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. There were times he went into the beautiful city and the palm trees and, and the pools and fellowshiped uh, with his brothers. But here he suffers 
He, he sanctifies the people with his own blood outside the gate. Then verse 13 says, Let us, that is you and I, go forth therefore unto him, unto Jesus, outside the camp, bearing his reproach. This is camp meeting. But this is just where we get our battery charged, air in our tires, gas in our tank, okay? Huh? We get revived, and then we go out those doors. Outside the camp. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. And I've heard this already. You know, this world is not my home. I'm just a pilgrim journeying through. Okay? And back to verse 13. Let us go forth, therefore, unto Jesus outside the camp, bearing his reproach. You say, Richard, what in the world are you talking about? Me standing uh, on, the, on the precipice, on the edge uh, of the 13th floor and no railing. And, and whoa, man, I don't like heights to begin with. And, man, that's a long way down. And, uh, uh, man, that's kind of a scary place. Yes, it is. But I believe that's where Jesus wants us to go. Live your life on the 13th floor. Richard, what are you talking about? I'm preaching in Monroe, Michigan quite a few years ago, just south of Detroit. And uh, uh, I left early in the morning, real early, because I had to go up to Flint, Michigan and, and do something at noon on Monday. And uh, I was really hungry. And as I was going through uh, uh, downtown Detroit, the traffic wasn't too bad yet. And I said, man, I've got to get something to eat, but I've got to get some fast food, okay? And then drive fast up to, up to Flint, Michigan, and uh, there's a McDonald's, Mickey D's right there. Man, I pull in there and walk in, and Monday morning, all the tables were filled with high school students, college students, businessmen in suits and ties, businesswomen dressed real nice, everybody had an open Bible on the table at McDonald's, and they were having a Bible study, and Christian music was coming out of the jukebox. And I went, and wow, wow, what is going on? I walked up to the counter, and a, a black chick about 6'2", all her teeth were gold. Now, I got some gold, but all her teeth were gold. And I walked up, and she waited on me, and I said, she had some gold chains. I've got two nice ones, okay? But she had, she had some cool gold chains, all right? One with a cross on it. And so I, I, I'm a people person, and I get into people's lives, okay? I said, oh, man, you got to be related to Mr. T. <laughs> Y'all remember Mr. T. Well, he had to take all those chains off because it was giving him back problems. I mean, pounds of gold, real gold, and neck problems. And she laughed, and she said, oh, I just like gold. And I said, what is going on here? All these people studying the Bible. She said, we've been doing this every Monday morning now for seven years. Wow. And uh, high school kids come, college kids come, and this is the way they start their day off. The week. And I said, you work for McDonald's. How, are, how do you get away with this? And she said, number one, I be black. They don't jack with black people. <laughs> and number two, she said, my revenue, my revenue is so high, they don't mess with me. I make a lot of money for McDonald's right here. Now, see, here's a black chick that lives on the 13th floor. She don't give a rip about anything else but Jesus. 
She said, every song on the jukebox, and by the way, the jukebox is free. You don't have to put quarters in it, okay? And all, all, all the songs are Jesus songs, all gospel songs. Now, see, that's what I'm talking about. If you can get away with it on the job, do it, okay? Get away with it, all right? And she said, we serve Jesus around McDonald's here. Wow, what a cool gal. I shared my testimony. She prayed for me, and I headed up for Flint, Michigan. Never forgot her, okay? Wow, what, that's what I'm talking about. Get on the edge, man. Get on, live on the edge. And it, sometimes it could be a little bit dangerous. Now, I, I built a house in Gulf Shores, Alabama, in a little community with about eight or nine, ten homes on Little Lagoon. And when you drive out my driveway and turn down the street, uh, there's a church, great, big, huge brick edifice with stained glass windows. And when it was built, it was paid for. A pastor had left one church, another pastor had left another church, and they joined as a co-pastor and started a brand new church. Only nobody ever got saved there. They just tickled people's ears. And I'd question my buddies who were going over there and some of the real estate gals who were going. I said, well, what do they preach about? Well, they don't really preach. They give talks. They give speeches. And uh, anybody ever go to the altar? No, we, we, we don't, we, we're not like other churches. We don't have altar calls. And uh, it was pretty sad. Well, one morning I came out, and there's a great big banner, man, a huge banner uh, right by the street on Fort Morgan Road, if you've ever been down there. And uh, I thought, whoa, what's going on, man? A, maybe a revival. Maybe God's doing something in this group of people. And here's what the banner said. Next Saturday. Are you ready for this? I don't think you are. Pet Blessing Day. Pet Blessing Day. Bring, uh, you know, Fido, man, your dog. Bring Fufu, Fifi, your cat. Bring your parrot. We're going to bless them. I doubt if they baptized, but, but you ever tried to baptize a cat? I tried that one time when I was a little boy. Yeah, Sparky did too. Did it get you? I tell you what. No, 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 no. Yeah, it gets you. Yeah, not good, is it? Pet blessing day. You know, some of you are living on the fourth floor. Move up, five, six, seven. Some of you are living on the 8th floor. Move up a couple floors this weekend. 8th, ninth floor. Get closer to that 13th floor. You see, this big, huge church at the end of my, my, my street where I live, that, they lived in the basement. Amen. There wasn't many people saved there. If they were, they were on the first floor. It was sad to go there and not hear about Jesus. Pet blessing day. And guess what? The parking lot that Saturday was overflowed. How sick. Huh? How sick. I'm in church one day and we had a soloist doctor. And, and he was a few years older than I. And his name was Dr. Samuel Cornelius. Everybody just called him Dr. Sam. Dr. Sam was a cool guy. And uh, he was about a six foot one guy. Broad shoulders, still lifted weights. And, and did push-ups all the time. And, and he was a pretty stout guy. And he had his own clinic. And, and he came up to me one day and he said, Richard, I hear you're a bow hunter. I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, well, I've always been wanting to go to Colorado and bow hunt elk. And he said, you know, I want you to go with me. I said, man, I don't have that kind of money, Doc. He said, I didn't ask you if you had any money. 
I want to bless the evangelist, and I want to pay for everything, even your license. Now, do you want to go elk hunting in Colorado with me? I said, let me pray about it. Yeah, sounds good to me. (laughs) For 32 years, he paid my way elk hunting, and elk licenses kept going up and up and up, you know, for out-of-state hunters. And let me tell you about Dr. Sam. If you're a new patient of Dr. Sam... All right? The first thing he'd say, you know, do you mind if Dr. Sam talks to Dr. Jesus for you? Huh? Yeah, let's talk to Dr. Jesus about your situation first. Is that okay? Who's going to turn down a medical doctor? Huh? Ongoing education, man. They're a lot smarter than everybody else. Oh, yeah, you can pray. And I'd go see him for lunch, and he'd say, now, listen, i got a lady waiting in this room. Richard, you go in there and share your testimony with her. Then I'd come out of there, and he said, I'm still not quite ready. I've got an Air Force colonel that later on got saved. He said, go in there. He said, man, he thinks he's the king of the world. You go in there and share your testimony with him. And uh, Dr. Sam was a soul winner. Many, it was a soul-winning station in Dr. Sam Cornelius's office. All his secretaries and two other doctors that worked for him were all born-again doctors. Born-again doctors. You see, Dr. Sam lived on the 13th floor where a lot of doctors don't want to live. He had his toes hung over the edge. Whew, man, yeah, you're going to get criticized for that. Man, they might even try and pull your license and shut you down for being a, uh, a Jesus pusher instead of a pill pusher, okay? And, but he did push pills, but here's how he did it. When the drug salesman would come, he'd say, uh, you load me up, buddy, because I take care of a lot of poor people free. I asked him one time, I said, Doc, he was my best friend. And I said, Doc, how much money do you give away every year? He said, I I don't even want to go there. I said, no, I'm just curious. Oh, I don't know. Quarter of a million. Quarter of a million in, in free services and drugs and money. Now, when I'd go see my doctor and I left, he wrote, no, he wrote me a check. He'd hand me a check. Here's a couple hundred bucks for gas money. Where are you going? I said, I'm going down to, you know, Kentucky or Tennessee or Florida to preach and do a prison down. Here's some gas money. Does your doctor write you a check when you go? See, Dr. Sam did. And he lived in a very modest house, and he witnessed for Christ. And he, cancer took him finally, and they, they misdiagnosed his cancer in his, in his own clinic for several years. Then when they found it, uh, it was all over his body, and he said, uh, and I was with him. He got down to 63 pounds, and I was changing his diaper, helping his wife, and he said, Richard, uh, you're, you're doing my home going, and a whole bunch of folks got saved at that home going, man, and uh, it was an awesome, awesome going away party for Dr. Sam, okay? Wow, what a neat guy. And he lived on the 13th floor, man. He lived. How many of you have ever, you know, I know missionary people uh, that, that are out there on the edge, and my wife and I support a couple of them that live on the edge. And we've got a lady right now in Colombia. That's a dangerous country. And she's, 
sharing the gospel and Bible studies in homes and, and uh, uh, getting people together uh, for, for block parties and, and dangerous country. But she lives on the edge with her, with her, with her feet dangling over in, in a very dangerous... And I've been to, she brought me to that country one time and uh, uh, took us to a, a prison called, uh, you'll like this, Bay of Vista. Beautiful view, see? I know a lot of Spanish because I was in that Mexican prison for a while, okay? And I can cuss you out in Spanish. I know, I know a lot of cuss words, okay? And uh, yeah, I better not. That's right, Sparky. That was back B.C. days before Christ. But in that, you know, uh, I went in Bay of Vista prison in, in uh, Medellin, Colombia, and uh, uh, 7,500 inmates. She was right alongside of me. All the inmates loved her. They had five churches because revival hit that prison. And out of 7,000 inmates... They had about 5,000 born-again Mexicans, man, Colombians. Prior to her and some other ladies going in and starting Bible studies, guess what? They used to average 41 murders a month. The ladies went in. Some born-again Catholic nuns went in with her, and they told the Lord, we want to come in and start Bible studies with the men. No, they'll rape you and they'll kill you. doesn't make any difference if you're a Christian. If you're a Catholic nun, they'll rape you and they'll kill you. They don't care about you. These were Pablo Escobar's men and Ochoa's men, and they killed each other all the time. Wow. 41 murders a month, average. They kept coming back, and the, the, the warden had an open Bible. I've seen that open Bible on his desk. And, and they said, you're a Christian, we're a Christian, we're believers in Jesus. We want to come in. He said, okay, I'm going to let you come in, but you're going to have to sign a paper. I'm not responsible for you getting raped or murdered. They said, God told us to come in. And if God told us to come in, He'll take care of us. Well, in Bible studies, men start getting saved. Correctional officers start getting saved. And today there's five churches inside that monster prison. Now, the name of the prison is Bella Vista, Beautiful View. It's the ugliest prison you've ever seen in your life. The biggest rats I've ever seen in open sewer grates inside the prison. Man, there goes a rat, big old fat rat. And it's a pretty nasty prison, except for the inside of the walls where the inmates live. The inmates... After some years, went to the warden and said, Warden, we want, we got to paint our walls. This, is, this, is, this place looks horrible. We'll paint all the walls. The warden said, hey, now here's a warden who decided to move up to the 13th floor. Said, we don't have the money for that. And they said, we do. <laughs> We're Pablo Escobar's men. We're Ochoa's men. But, the warden gave permission, but, and you know they, all the beautiful colors, you know, all the beautiful colors. But here's the kicker. We get to paint Scripture verses all the way around the inside of the walls. Whoa, man. You go in there and there's God's Word all over. They have their own radio station that goes all the way to Bogota, uh, Colombia. Wow. Here's a warden that decided, man, I'm going to live on the 13th floor. We're going to do this thing. And it's paid off. And they've only had one murder in, in six years. Now listen to this. This is so cool. Romans 8.28 is a favorite verse of mine. 
For we know, who's the we? Christians, born again people. For we know positive assurance. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purposes. When my little baby grandchildren were killed, murdered in the, in the, in the Oklahoma City bombing that day, my daughter's little boys, I screamed at God. I said, God, how are you going to pull this one off? How are you going to turn this mess into good? And I was just hacked off, man. And I went through about eight months of, it was just backsliding. Because I had that long hair back then. I said, I'm going to get me a cop haircut. And I I already had a presidential pardon from Gerald Ford, so I can own guns. And I got a bunch. I just like guns, okay? And uh, they're a good investment. And you can always get your money back out of them. I'll get me a cop uniform. And when they take Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols from the courthouse to jail, jail, I'll just slip in with an Oklahoma City uh, uh, police uniform on in my 45. Hey, guys, what's up, man? Boom! Vengeance is Richard's, thus saith me. <laughs> and man, God put migraine headaches on me so I couldn't leave my house. Vomiting, losing weight, it was a horrible thing, eight months. And then finally, and I know all the ver- verses on forgiveness and bitterness and the root of bitterness. I, I know them all. I've memorized them all. And, and uh, I just remember uh, God saying, Sick and tired of being sick and tired, son. Eight months now. You know, God will let us have our little pity parties. God's got broad shoulders. I was screaming at God, but he's got broad shoulders, man. And I said, God, I started crying again. And I said, God, I I repent. And he said, get on your feet, son. Get back to doing what I told you to do. Vengeance is mine. I will recompense, thus saith the Lord. See? And uh, got back on my feet. And then God said, now, I want you to forgive those boys. God, you're carrying this thing a little too far, dude. But I knew he was right, and that didn't happen overnight. But over a period of about two weeks, I forgave Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols for taking the lives of our little boys, okay? All right? It happened. And then God said, now I want you to witness to them. Start sending them your testimony, your books, and, and tracts, and, and share Jesus with them. I said, okay, God, I'll do that. And Timothy McVeigh was executed, lost. Busted hell wide open. Terry Nichols got saved about 15, 16 years ago. A chaplain led him to, to the Lord. He has to be in, in protective custody, okay? Protective custody. Because you can kill adults and, and have no problem in prison. But when you kill 19 innocent little baby children, you're a dead man. If you'll remember the Catholic priest that, that the, it, it, he uh, uh, messed with about uh, 80 boys over a period of 25 years. He lasted three months in prison. They killed him. They killed the Catholic priest in prison, okay? But I'm talking about stepping up. You see, I, I, I lived my life on the 13th floor. Man, that knocked me off for eight months. Man, I dropped down to about the third or fourth floor, man. Uh, I wasn't doing anything. wasn't praying. I was mad. Uh, I, I, I just wasn't a happy camper. And then God said, son, I love you. Come on. And see, God reminded me who I was. When he saved me, I was, listen, I could have been Aryan Brotherhood. I could have been, I was, uh, I was anti-government. I was anti-police. I was anti-IRS. If the right people would have come along and say, hey, man, Richard, we like you. You're a bad dude, man, and you pack guns, and, and we need a guy like you. I, man, oh, yeah, all right, man, let's get it on. But see, God didn't let that happen to me. He protected me even back then. He kept me alive because God saw the end result. Wow. 
And I li- I'm back on the 13th floor. I love the 13th floor because I love working with drug addicts and alcoholics. And we go to the streets and we do block parties and give away free food. And we, we go into the, the uh, uh, apartment complexes in the hood and, and, and go knocking on doors. The food wagon's here. We got, we got free food for you. And everybody can have two bags of food. Do you have any children? And, and then we pack up children's stuff. And, and guess what? They'll protect you. <laughs> if, there, if anything ever came down, they'd protect you. And we, we get rid of our food in about an hour and a half. A trailer load. Get rid of our food. And I, I, I love it. Read Matthew 25, 35. You know, Jesus said, man, I was hungry. Man, I was thirsty. I was naked, man. I was sick in the hospital. I was in jail. You didn't come to visit me. You didn't come to see me. Wow. When, Lord, if you haven't done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you haven't done it unto me. I like to go where the need is. Well, my wife and I, we got the kids and grandkids, and we were staying at a a high-rise hotel downtown Oklahoma City on the river, and they got the little river boats kind of like a a miniature uh, uh, place down in Texas, and and, uh, it's pretty cool down there. So we took all the kids so they'd come to the swimming pool and, and play and and there was a blonde-headed lady at the front desk, and we began to share Jesus with her. And, and she said, oh, my, my daddy's in prison. And I think I've shared this with Candy before. And uh, I said, oh, I said, who's your daddy? And she said, Mike Bulldog Smith. And she's shaking her head back there. And he's already killed three people. He's doing close to 200 years. We're going to change his name to Methuselah. And she said, oh, my daddy. And I said, I know your daddy. And so uh, I wrote him a letter. And I said, man, we met your daughter. We're going to help your daughter, single mom. And uh, we're going to help your your daughter a little bit. I said, you know, Bulldog, I love you. And and, uh, man, have you trusted Jesus yet? Guess what he said? Tony Mack. Led me to Christ. Wow. Wow. See, Tony lived that life on the 13th floor. Wow, with his feet over the edge. Say, man, what if you're out there on the streets and ministering to these drug addicts and and meth cookers and, and prostitutes? And Man, what if you get killed? You just beat me to heaven. I'm going to kill you. You're going to threaten me with heaven? I don't think so. Oh, Brother Paul lived on the, and I'm not talking the Bible, Paul. He did too. Brother Paul lived on the 13th floor in the Bible. But another brother, Paul, lived on the 13th floor. His name was Paul Colvin. He had a long white beard, long white hair. And I met him when he was in his 70s, and uh, early 70s. And, and when he got saved, he said, God, now listen to this prayer. God, reach into your garbage can of ministries and pull out a ministry that this guy won't do it. She won't do it. Uh, he won't do it. Gary won't do it. These people won't do it. You, put, you reach into your garbage can of ministries and pull out a ministry that nobody else will do. I'll do it. He was a sign painter. And when he got saved, his wife and family left because he was crazy. He was crazy. Lost his mind. Went off the deep end religiously. No, he didn't. He, he went off the deep end in a relationship with God's Son, Jesus Christ. Okay? Well, he became a sign painter, and God told him to make a sandwich board, hang it over his shoulders. 
and scripture verses on both sides, paint signs that he could hang like this. And God said, go to Houston, Texas. He was there 10 years on street corners. Jesus loves you. Do you know Christ? He's coming again. It's heaven or hell, your choice. Then God said, uh, go to Dallas and Fort Worth. He was there 10 years, same thing. Rain, snow, sleet, he rode the bus, didn't have a driver's license. Jesus loves you. God bless you. I love you. Do you know Jesus today? And then we got him in Oklahoma City for 25 years. He joined Herschel Hobbs Church, First Baptist Church of the starch neck collar, and uh, he wasn't welcome. He was not welcome. So he bailed and, well, I'll try the Methodist church. Oh, man. He went in the front door. The Methodists went out the windows, man. They were gone. (laughs) He came to our church. We loved him for well over 20 years. We bought him a house to live in because he got a little bit of Social Security. He was a neat old man. Now, here's where we're going to close. He lived his life on the 13th floor. He'd go in front of the triple X-rated stores, the porn stores. He'd right stand right by the door on a public sidewalk. Jesus loves you. They didn't go in. <laughs> They'd see him and his signs turn around and leave. Amen. They did. A black dude came up to him one night, put a knife to his neck, and evidently an addict because Brother Paul never had more than 5, 10, 15, 20 bucks on. said, old man, give me your money. Give me your money. Now, you're going to learn something here. You're going to learn something. Give me your money or I'm going to cut your throat. That didn't bother That didn't bother him at all. Brother Paul, that didn't faze him. He said, you can't cut my throat. Why can't I? I've got a knife to your neck right now. He said, because your father is the devil. My father is almighty God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And your father's got to go to my father and get permission for you to hurt me. <laughs> and so you can't kill me and demon get away from me in Jesus name the guy dropped the knife let out a blood curdling scream and hasn't been seen since and old brother Paul lived his life in that precarious place and when he passed our church seated 5,500 people Largest church in Oklahoma at that time. Standing room only. You say, man, did all that street corner preaching pay off? They started passing a microphone around Gary, and it went on for two hours. Businessmen and women and street people. You know, I said, look at that old fool. What's that old fool? That's a crazy man. But then day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, he was out there. And they said, you know what? Conviction came upon my life. And because that old man on the corner with long hair and a beard looked like Santa Claus, man, with his signs and his preaching, I got saved. Oh, 5,000 people came to our church for his home going. Wow. Brother Paul Colvin lived on the 13th floor. I asked him one time. He was, he, he, now see, Sports, my, my wife's NBA, uh, football. I mean, I like the playoffs. That's about all I have time for. And uh, unless there's a good boxing match on, I, I like that. And, uh, but he didn't talk about sports. He said, Brother Richard, I'm sorry. I got a one-track mind. Jesus is on that track, man. <laughs> I asked him, how saved are you, Brother Paul? How sa- saved are you? And he said, oh, Brother Richard, when I was, when I was 
41 years old, I was deep down in that pit. And God reached down with His big hand and pulled me up out of the miry clay. And He put me in the big hand of Jesus, and there I am. He said, here's Jesus' hand, here's God's hand, and I'm right there. And then He intertwined His fingers. See, now look in there, there I am. And then He poured the blood over the whole thing, and then He sealed all the cracks with the Holy Ghost. He said, the devil can't get to me because if the devil could get to me, he'd have to crawl in under the blood and then the devil gets saved. We know that's not going to happen. Wow. Lived his life on the 13th floor. You know, I ride my motorcycle on the 13th floor. I love sharing Jesus. You know, you can't witness, it's a, it's a physical impossibility to witness to everybody you meet. But if you listen to the Holy Ghost, guess what you're going to hear? There's one, sick him. Go to the hospital. Yep, go to the nursing home this weekend. Go down to the jail. Hey, get on the phone, call your neighbor. They need Jesus, okay? All right? Yeah, the Holy Ghost will tell you. If you'll listen, be still and know that I am God. And jump up. Or if you're on the 7th floor, the 8th floor, you're making some progress. Maybe the 10th floor, the 11th floor, 12th floor. Jump up on the 13th floor. Do something that nobody else wants to do. I've got a friend, and all she does is go through the paper, the obituaries, and she gets stacks and stacks of Hallmark cards of all sorts and kinds. And I think her stamp bill's three, 400 a month. And, and she just writes, sends Christian cards and writes Christian notes and scripture verses to people that go to jail and their parents. She gets all this information on the internet and she just, her, it's a letter writing ministry. And she's been doing that for probably 30 years from her desk at home. Huh? You can pray around the world and never leave your kitchen. Yeah. Wow. Don't tell me you can't do anything special. Don't tell me you can't get up there on the 13th floor and do something nobody else wants to do. Man, my wife and I, we expend our lives on the 13th floor, but it's good because we get to see a lot of folks get saved, okay? Tony Mack lived on the 13th floor, you know? He's got a replacement now living on the 13th floor, okay? Huh? You know, when I got saved in Oklahoma, back 48 years ago, there were only 12 prisons. We only had 12 prisons in 1971. Do you know how many there are? Just in Oklahoma, you can compare this with other other states, there's 47 prisons today. But you know what? Whether you're involved or not, God is raising up an army to go to the prisons and to go to the streets and go to the jails and reach, you know, addicted people with freedom. Deliverance. He's a loving God, a saving God, a delivering God. So my challenge to you this weekend, live on the 13th floor. Okay? Get up there on the 13th floor and serve God. I think the people around here that put this on are on the 13th floor. Man, they're slinging CDs off that 13th floor to truckers going by. Yeah. And guess what? People are getting saved.
You know what we're to do? The bottom line is, you know, we've got to love our wives and love our husbands and love our families. Then that's all, that's all part of it, but we're to help populate heaven. That's the bottom line. Help populate heaven. God bless you. Amen. 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 On the edge. <laughs> I'm on that 13th floor. That's what God wants each of us to do. Man, what a message, huh? Man, what a message. I'll tell you what. Hmm. Romans 8.28, was it? 8.28. For we know that all things work together for the good of those who are the called. The called. You know, I was reading that one day, and, and that word, the, just jumped off the page. You ever had that happen? Man, when that happens, you never forget. You never forget. God spoke to me right there, and he said, you're the called. I have a purpose for you. You're the called. Each one of us is the called, and God has a purpose. He's got a ministry. He's got a plan for each and every one of our lives. Man, we can work together. We can do something for God. We are the called. The called. We can get on that 13th floor. We can look over and see all those lost people out there that we can affect and touch and change. We're the called. And he talked about the slinging those CDs out to those truck drivers. I've been playing those clips of truck drivers for two days now. I want to play one more. Uh, uh, I don't care which one you play. Just pick one. You pick it. <laughs> Whatever it is, that's fine with me. There's some really powerful, powerful messages in these little clips. Whether it's seven seconds or a minute, each one of them speak to each of us. They're out there. They're waiting on us. It's up to us. It's up to us. What are we going to do with this man called Jesus that lives in our heart? That, that's something my first pastor used to say all the time. What are you going to do with this man called Jesus? You get to choose. He gave me a choice one day. He said, what are you going to do with this man? I want to serve God. I want to be that. I want to be on the 13th floor. I want to be on that edge. And I've been living my life like that ever since I got saved. I just say, Lord, what would you have me to do? And you know, he just keeps giving me jobs to do. And every time I get one finished, he raises me up to the next level. Next level. Next level. Man, what a message. What a message. I'll tell you what, is that going to play? You don't know. Okay, maybe we don't need to play it. I'll just give you one. I was coming back from uh, Memphis, and I got a call. Danny Dennis, he was with me. We was coming back after we made the Channel 21 CD. We was on our way back to, to uh, home from Memphis, and this truck driver called me, and he's, he was bawling, wasn't he? And he said that he just 
give his life to Christ. He said, I was driving down the road. I was listening to Tony Mack's testimony, Free in Christ. And he said, I, I was crying so hard I couldn't see to drive. I had to pull over. I got off on the shoulder of the road. I got out in the weeds, and I got on my knees, and I cried out to Christ and asked him to save me. Another one. Another one. I got a call from a guy down in uh, Arkansas somewhere, and he said, I listened to Tony Mack's testimony, Free in Christ. He said, I got saved. He said, I got saved. He said, not only that, my wife got saved. Not only that, all of our family has been saved. Altogether, there's 14 in our whole family got saved over that one CD, Free in Christ. And he said, not only that, today, we all 14 of us got baptized. They give their life to the Lord and they followed in baptism. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. What, Daryl? Bring it up here. About three weeks, four weeks ago, I got a call from a guy named Neil up in Canada. He said, one of your chaplains by the name of Heinrich uh, here in Ontario gave me some CDs. And he said, uh, this was like on a Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday. He said, this coming Saturday, my wife and I are having, uh, going to counseling. Uh, we've been married 11 years. We've got three children. She wants a divorce. We're separated. He said, so Saturday at 1.30, he said, I want you to be praying for us. He says, we're going to this marriage counselor. He said, she wants this marriage to be over. I said, brother, I'll pray with you. So we prayed. His wife's name was Eva. Well, I prayed, and, and, and Saturday I thought about him at 1.30, and I prayed for him. And he called me Saturday night. He said, I got them CDs. I took them to my wife's apartment on Thursday night, and I asked her, please listen to them. We listened to every CD. We cried. We prayed. We went to the marriage counselor, and we said, everything's all right. Now, I ask you, wouldn't you like to have been the one that handed that driver that CD? You are. Don't ever think it's not important. This man's talking about living on the 13th floor and going out and feeding the homeless in the hood. All you got to do is hand somebody a CD at a restaurant, at a truck stop. Tell them about Jesus. I love this conference. Because it fires us back up. So we'll get back out there and tell people about Jesus. Tell them about the conference, but tell them why you came. Because of Jesus. But Be that driver. Be that person to hand somebody one of these CDs. And see life's changed. Mm -hmm. All right, get up here, Jim. Come here. Praise the Lord. Folks, uh, I don't know how many of you... How many of you have heard 16 Roses? Lady in Mississippi, right? She had a, a car wreck, and in that car wreck, she killed her daughter. And it was before her 16th birthday. And uh, on her daughter's 16th birthday, she decided she was going to commit suicide. She drove into a gas station because she didn't have enough gas to get where she's going. And she found 16 roses on the gas pump. 
somebody took the time to put a CD on the gas pump. Now, if you're bashful and you don't want to hand it out, put it on the gas pump. Put it in the restroom. But she got that CD. It saved her life. Turned her around. Amen. Thank you, Jim. And now we're going to close today's program with the McKay Project. Here is Dennis and Leslie McKay. All right, we're going to sing a song for you. How many of y'all, first of all, how many have been blessed today? I tell you, this has been an awesome, awesome conference. And we have just been honored to be part of it. We're, uh, we're going to do an original song for you. It says, Still I Believe. We had some requests for this song, so here we go. You ready? I heard Jesus turn the water into wine He made the lame to walk and He gave sight to the blind And though with my own eyes these things I didn't see mm, Still I believe And I believe that Jesus died for my sins He was buried and on the third day He rose again And I believe someday His face I'm gonna see Knowledge I don't know how these things could be But still I believe Oh, 
things could be But still I request to do this one again so we're going to do it for you like I told you uh, last night for those that were here I wrote this song after getting snubbed at a red light by a lady in a brand new Mercedes Benz look at somebody and say you may not can tell it but I'm royalty yeah tell them that there you go gonna do this song for you right now it goes like this Royal blood flows through me My father is He is a king of kings So just remember friend When you look at me There's more than the eye can see Cause I am royalty Well I ain't never been much On wealth and fame And I don't care who knows my name And I know when you look at me There ain't much to see I could probably be surprised To realize I'm royalty Oh, I am royalty Royal blood flows to me Yeah, my father is He is the king of kings So just remember, friend when you look at me, there's more than I can see, cause I am royalty. We're gonna play now. Y'all just need to remember that next time somebody snubs you, that you're royalty. Anytime anybody tries to put you down, you need to remind them, I'm royalty. <laughs>
Oh, he's going to bring out the banjo. We're going to do this one just for Sparky. The banger. That's right. <laughs> All right, get ready to do a little victory in Jesus. Yeah, if any of y'all who weren't here last night or you weren't here earlier, uh, we would love for you to follow us on Facebook. We're McKay Project on Facebook, so if you'll just go there and like us, um, you keep up with us, and uh, we'd like to keep up with y'all too, so you can just uh, message us whenever, and uh, we'd love to, we like to keep up with folks and talk to you and that kind of stuff, so please be sure to do that. Here we go, you ready? I'm ready. All right. Let's do some banger stuff. You ready? Here we go. Old story about a savior king from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning of his precious blood atoning. Then I repented of my sins and won the victory. Well, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me and I knew him. any program without asking you, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? If you died today, would you go to heaven? If you've never been saved, or if you've gotten away from God, pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I ask you to come into my heart, Lord, and save me. Give me a new heart and make me brand new, and I will live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, friends, if you prayed and asked Jesus Christ into your heart, then we want you to give us a call here at Rig Ministries. Our phone number is 618-383-2107, and we're going to end today's program like we end most of our programs. That's with my testimony in song that I wrote with the help of my songwriting partner, Tom Caldwell, and now we've got a new songwriting partner, Dennis McKay, and he is 
helped us with this song and brought it up to a new level. Here's Dennis McKay with At the Foot of the Tree off of our brand new CD, Lonesome Road, Volume 1. And yes, you'll be able to get a copy of this CD by calling us, 618-383-2107. Here's Dennis McKay with At the Foot of the Tree. Without hope, 18 wheels of lonesome at the end of the road. In my hand was a track the preacher had read, his words still echoing in the back of my head. I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past. Then I called his name This chance would it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Brokenhearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Those 18 wheels are rolling that old lonesome road and I shared the good news wherever I go yes there's been a change I'm not the man I used to be and I tell everybody what's happened to me how I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past but I called his name This chance Could it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree And I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Brokenhearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus Foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I'd been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree 